That blows monkey chunks. <laughs> I'm discarding for one VP. To hell with you. I'm taking the one VP and take <laughs> and declaring victory. Whoa, that's that's hostile. Crazy. Very hostile. I, I'm upset. I'm in rage mode now. Wait, <laughs> I'm about to rage flip this game. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we stack our palace walls Mahjong style in Dragon Castle. Next, we stack the cards in our favor to secure the grandest culture in Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization. And lastly, we stack rules upon rules upon rules upon rules to rule out the competition in Red 7. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid game explorers. I'm Evan Bernstein, and I will fight for your right to board game. I'm Ed Povolitis, and I will build this great civilization on the back of cards. I'm Mike Grenier. They may take our points, but they'll never take our meeples! Calling all explorers who have something to say, we'll advertise your hidden treasures on our show. Want Evan to wish your brother a happy birthday? Would you like Mike to announce the publishing of your first novel? Want Celeste to tell your gaming group to clean up their dishes? Pick one or all of us to read your ad at fantastic rates. You can write it or we'll write it for you. Just go to our website to find out how. And don't forget, Explorers, we are live streaming Thursday nights on Twitch. Twitch, 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 Twitch! 6.30. We'll see you there. And as always, if you can, leave us a rating, a review, a like, a Facebook, a heart, a tweet, an Insta, a retweet, anywhere. Mention us on social media. It really helps others find the show. Thanks, guys! Our first game up this week is Dragon Castle, designed by Yalmar Hawk, Luca Ricci, and Lorenzo Silva. Published by Horrible Guild and Come On in 2017. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 8 and up, playtime 30 to 40 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us, what's in the box? As we pop the lid on this box, we see a pagoda-style Chinese palace or castle with, you guessed it, a dragon wrapped around it. Inside, we've got a first-player token, two double-sided central boards, four realm boards, ones for each season, seven countdown tokens, ten spirit cards, ten dragon cards, 40 shrines, 44 special tiles, 72 faction tiles, and 85 victory point tokens. Victory point! And that's... What's in the box? Before we breathe fire into this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Dragon Castle, a game inspired by Mahjong Solitaire, you are local lords competing to build a magnificent castle using tiles from the ancient castle. Each turn, you must take one tile from the top layer, and then one of three things. Take a matching tile, take a shrine, or discard the tile and take a victory point. Any tiles you take are then placed into your realm. If you have a set of four or more matching tiles adjacent to each other in your realm, you consolidate them, earning victory points based on the number of tiles. You may build shrines when you consolidate, which is also worth points based on their height. You may also take advantage of the available spirit cards and its game-changing powers, but this will come at a cost. 
don't forget to check the dragon card to score bonus points. Bonus points! <laughs> How did I know that was coming? <laughs> it's going to happen every time. When the dragon castle has been reduced to only one floor, players may summon the dragon to end the game. Dun, dun, dun. The player with the most points is the lord of the new dragon castle and the winner of the game and master of the dragon verse. <sighs> yeah. Fire. Well, maybe not that last part. But, well, may, but I, maybe. I, I put that in. But maybe. You never know. Yeah. What is the point of summoning the dragon? Thematically speaking, are you are you summoning it to blow down other people's castles? or? Well, I think you're summoning the dragon to see which castle the dragon will occupy and become the new dragon castle. Yeah, this culture likes dragons. <laughs> Very observant, Mike. Very observant. <laughs> and a cool thing about summoning the dragon is it gets you two victory points. There are definitely scenarios I could see playing this game where other people would be sweating it if somebody started pulling dragon mm-hmm. tiles. I mean, if you have a good score, you might want to pull the trigger early. Uh, and, and it's kind of like, well, am I uh, the tiles I'm going to waste my time or spend my time taking those new tiles is it worth two victory points or should i just take the two victory points and click the clock faster well prior to that though it's all about building your new castle using the tiles from the old castle so that involves some forethought because not all tiles are the same some tiles are rarer than other based on color or suit Mm -hmm. as i like to call Mm -hmm. them so you might want to have a strategy that employs trying to grab those tiles first to limit your opponent's ability to grab those. Plus, you know, build up your own point structure before the summoning of the dragon spirit. And for those who are familiar with Mahjong tiles, they're based on the traditional Mahjong set where they're... Bamboo, winds, seasons, right? All those. Right. Swords. Or soldiers. But unfortunately, it's not actually a complete set of real Mahjong. I think mm-hmm. the numbers only go up to six instead of nine. What did you guys think of playing this game with Mahjong tiles? Some of my Mahjong instincts kind of worked against me in this because I know that in regular <laughs> Mahjong, you can grab a tile that is exposed no matter what. Uh, this one here, it's not quite that way. Yeah, you always have to start with a top layer tile first and then. One that's exposed. But you always have to take one that's exposed, which I think is interesting because uh, it's a way of lowering the castle and in some ways forces your hand. I was completely thrown by that rule. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, I was thinking a lot about a solo game for this where you build the castle in a certain amount of moves and then you play the next game with the castle that you just built. Oh. Because <laughs> it kind of restacks the tiles again for you. Interesting. There's uh, two decks of cards that add some replayability to the game. One of them, the deck of spirit cards, and the other one is the deck of dragon cards. The spirit cards give you a different power you can activate every turn if you're willing to pay its cost, while the dragon cards are a different way to get bonus points! <laughs> that's that's kind of what I was looking for, was those bonus points. Uh, the one that we drew for the dragon was that if you build one of your shrines next to a dragon tile that you have exposed on your board, you get an extra point at the end of the game. So I was kind of focused on that. I wish I paid a little more attention to that. That might have helped me in the end uh, and how I was how I was building my new my new castle. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I I just didn't. I I lost sight of that detail and it yeah. cost. Me. Yeah, you racked up a total of zero points for your dragons that you had on the board. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. 
So we're still experiencing social distancing. So we played this game online at Board Game Arena. Mm-hmm. And we broadcast it live on Twitch Thursday nights at 6.30 yeah. Eastern time. <laughs> yep, we did. And you can see it now still on YouTube if you want to watch us fumble through this game. Okay, let me give you one extra piece of information before you do that. Just because I know Mikey will complain when he if you didn't know this. <laughs> yes. You had to throw that in, right? You couldn't just say <laughs> the thing. That you I mean, he's do. not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> do you guys think you would have enjoyed it more being able to physically handle the Mahjong tiles? I would. You know, I love playing Mahjong, the actual game. And for me, the clink of the tile clicking each other and being able to feel them. That porcelain feel. It's a big part of the enjoyment for me. I mean, I don't know. I love the clickety-clack of the tiles, but not having to set up that tower of tiles is a huge <laughs> bonus for me. We could play this yeah, a lot. I, I can see you. I mean, what are you saying? But instructions actually have a variety of ways for you to build the castles. And I, I think it might actually be fun to build a castle before playing the game. I absolutely think we missed out by not being able to handle the tiles. This is one of those games where a tactile element is part of the enjoyment of the game. Right. I mean, just like regular Mahjong, where it's like, sure, you can have an app build a wall for you, but part of the fun is building a wall and stack it in front of you. It's just That is a very social experience. Yeah, you know how I am with setup and cleanup. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But but I would make a suggestion here. I would say if you want to learn a strategy for this game, like play it through a few times, play it on the computer first, and then move to like the live game so you can get that tactile experience. The rules locking at Board Game Arena did wonders for Mm -hmm. um, Mm. getting up to speed on this game. I definitely would have been grabbing tiles I couldn't really touch if we were playing in real life. I remember in the first turn, you're like, why won't it let me grab this tile? Yes. (laughs) If you would be doing that, let's not even talk about Evan. Oh, boy. Evan likes to touch people's stuff. Well, there's that. There's (laughs) that. But specifically with Dragon Castle, at one of my turns, I must, I don't know, something with my mouse screwed up. It went to the next tile over that I didn't want to take. It took that. Uh, Oh, let me just hit the undo. No, can't do that. Yeah. Board game arena. Locked you down. Thanks. So you don't have that ability to to correct your honest mistake uh, when you- When you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. On the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas at the table, we're much more generous. Right. Yeah. We'll probably make a bunch of other mistakes that we don't catch (laughs) if we do it in person. No, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. It stops us from playing the game wrong, which we have (laughs) been known to do. I'm kind (laughs) of curious if we now play the game on Tabletopia, where it's also available, where you can (gasps) actually see the 3D board and move around and fiddle with the pieces. I wonder how that would experience now. All right. So there is a... There's a feature on Tabletopia in which you can take, say, for example, these Mahjong tiles and set them upright on their ends. And if you were to do that and set them all up and line them up and you knock one over, you could definitely do dominoes. You could (laughs) knock the domino line down. It works. I'd love it. Do you guys think this would have been more enjoyable if they used, if they didn't use Mahjong tiles and just made up something else? Potentially. Maybe. Sure. I don't know. I I think part of the familiarity with the Mahjong stuff, because I think a lot of people have played Mahjong Solitaire, and it does play a lot like that. I think that'll help the learning curve. Yeah, there was something comforting about the the familiarity of the pieces for me. This gave me a false sense of knowledge about the game. It led you astray. It did. It's like like handing Celeste a deck of 
playing cards, but it turns out to be a pinochle set. There's 29s <laughs> oh, and 15 no. jacks or whatever. You know, so familiarity, but at the same time, it's not the same. That almost makes it worse. Yeah. Yes, it does. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Hey, so, so my analogy was, was on point. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I got really greedy in this game because I want to do something cool and just try to make the tallest towers that I could. And I actually, it paid off and I actually won the game. <laughs> Yeah, right at the very end with the bonus point. Mm -hmm, That's right. Yep, I started strong until everybody else figured out how to play, and then I came in last. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Dragon Castle. Ed? Well, I might prefer to play Mahjong if I had four players and a set of tiles. This is an interesting and fun alternative to that classic solitaire game, so I'm going to dig this up. Mike? The variety of rules combinations that you can make and strategic choices that go with them are boundless, so dig it up. Evan? Mahjong without the repetitiveness. What was once just a solitaire game for me is now something much grander. Dig it up. I'm not even sure it's fair to compare this game to the epic giant that is Mahjong, but I can't help it. If they didn't want me to do it, then they shouldn't have used the tiles. It's way better than solitaire Mahjong, but not nearly as elegant as Mahjong itself. So I'm going to personally bury it. Whoa. That's a light bury. Yeah, it is a light bury. Dusting. A a A fine layer of dust along (laughs) the top, perhaps. Not not a six-foot grave. (laughs) And I'm not entirely sure I would have buried it had they not used the Mahjong tiles. Interesting. I know what to get you for Christmas. (laughs) Evan, where can you find Dragon Castle? Dragon Castle can be purchased at game stores, both online and the old brick and mortars once they open up again. You'll drop down about $50 to play, but if you try it out now at Board Game Arena, that's where we played it. Also at Tabletopia, get a feel for it and figure out if you want to buy it ahead of time. Yeah, see if it's for you. If you have thoughts about Dragon Castle, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Our next game up is Through the Ages, a new story of civilization. Designed by Vlada Zhvatil, published by Czech Games Edition in 2015. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 14 and up. Playtime 120... Plus minutes. <laughs> plus. <laughs> yes, minimum Emphasis of, on the plus. Minimum of 120. <laughs> Playtime days. Mike, tell us what's in the box. Well, the cover of this box features some epic dudes of history looking all serious. Uh, from left to right, you've got Julius Caesar, Napoleon, Willie Shakespeare, and Einstein. Inside, you'll find lots of cards, 329 to be exact, which include things like civil actions, world leaders, new technologies, and wonders broken down into groups from the ancient era to modern times. There are also five game boards to track your science, culture, and military might and to display upcoming cards you'll be able to take for your hand. Additionally, there are four player boards, 28 player pieces, 56 stickers, 254 acrylic cubes, not wood, acrylic, four quick reference sheets, a rule book, and a handbook. And that's what's in the box. Before we give you a review for the ages, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Through the Ages, 
a civilization building game, each player attempts to build the best civilization through careful resource management, discovering new technologies, electing the right leaders, building wonders, and maintaining a strong military. Weakness in any area can be exploited by your opponents. The game takes place through the ages beginning in the Age of Antiquity and ending in the Modern Age. Each turn, players will use their civil and military actions to draft cards from the center row and then play them. In order to use a technology, you will need enough science to discover it, enough food to create a worker to man it, and enough ore to build it. While balancing these resources needed to advance your technology, you also need to build a military. There is no map in the game, so you cannot lose territory, but players with higher military may steal resources, science, kill leaders, take population or culture if they sense weakness in their neighbors. The game ends when the Modern Age deck has run out of cards. Then, the player whose nation has the most culture is victorious. Dun, dun, dun. Culture. So, 120 plus minutes, guys. That's yeah, right. Super plus. Yes. Uh, yeah, for a first time playthrough, yeah, double that. The double, oh wow, double that is right. I mean, playing four players uh, and first time learning, you're going to spend a lot of time with this game. There's a, there is a bit to learn. <laughs> a bit. There's a tremendous amount to read through. Reading all these cards is what, especially, like you said, the first time through, takes time. And to, you know, not only, not only find it interesting to read the cards, because they are all of the correct historical context, so that in itself is fascinating to me, but also trying to figure out the rules pertaining to each card and how they work in your civilization. Mm-hmm. A lot of moving parts here, and a lot of things affect other things. Yeah, I'm glad we played this online, too, because there's like five kinds of currency to keep track of. There's You're also trying to see your, your opponents, what they're doing. There's cards sliding across the top of the board that you can only get within certain time periods. It's It's a lot. This game is very good for first play using uh, Board Game Arena because of the automatic features that it does have. I could see myself, if I had sat at the game table with you guys playing this, I probably would have made quite a few mistakes <laughs> or miscalculate, you know, just, just playing the game wrong in a lot of different ways that fortunately the game program at Board Game Arena helped me figure out. One of the nicest things about Board Game Arena for a game like this is that it actually lists what you are supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. at any given Uh moment. So it will say something specific, like you must choose a card from the timeline, for example, or whatever it is, whatever the instruction is. So that is super helpful for a game like this. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You guys mentioned that uh, you guys did play it on board game arena and I watched for a while and I then went and looked at the the physical game mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I personally did not like the way the game looked on Board Game Arena. I thought it was really complicated looking. <laughs> but when I saw it laid out physically and when I started reading the cards, like pictures of the cards being held in somebody's hands, they seemed a lot less intimidating. It, it does feel like one of those games where it plays a lot less difficultly than it looks like it's really intimidating to look at but once you start realizing that hey the one thing i have to do is get people to build me stuff to get me culture like the heart of the game it makes it a lot more simple now i think the basic mechanics are relatively simple to follow it just the interaction 
of all these pieces is what makes it complex and interesting, in my view. Did you guys think there was too much going on? Well, there's a, there is a lot. There's no doubt a lot going on. Too much going on? No, I don't, I don't think it was, you could say it was too much. Probably right about at that threshold before it becomes too much. That was my personal take. There are so many interesting choices that I'm always struggling to find out which one I really want now because I don't have enough to do everything I want. Mm. Timing is everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, so if you choose to put your military down now or later, could make all the difference when somebody plays one of those cards. The what are those cards called where they come out and you fight over them? There are events and there are also aggressions. And we didn't play it the hardcore mode with wars. I'm I'm glad we didn't on our first go around. Yeah, they don't recommend it at first because you got to really understand the interaction of everything and don't want to add too much complexity on your first playthrough. No war. <laughs> well, not not direct war, yeah. There's political cards that you play, and they kind of get stacked up, and one comes to the top, and it's oftentimes a fight over uh, stuff like territory that gives you extra workers or extra actions or stuff like that. And you have to use your military cards or the people, your workers that you've placed on your military cards to go ahead and conquer that new land to gain those benefits. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of bidding, so you're bidding the lives of your military guys. So, like the the military people that you've put into that population are used up. All right. So now, even though you colonized that new land, and yay, you got these new resources, your military is more stressed out now, leaving you potentially vulnerable. Yeah, I I, I live in the world of vulnerable militaries in these kind of games. <laughs> <laughs> You tend to avoid military in general. It's just not, it doesn't seem interesting to you. It's not that it's not interesting for me. I feel like if you're fighting with somebody else, both of you are making the other player win. So I try to just avoid being in fights with people. So I try to look non-threatening. But that also makes you juicy. (laughs) Sometimes it does. (laughs) Sometimes it does. I, I get just enough military to be a deterrent. Why am I only thinking of Twilight and Pierre? Yes, that is the first right thing that comes to mind. She went out of her way to get me. I wonder if that almost works against your plan. Uh, it depends. A lot. What I like to do with my military usually is to kind of have secrets there and a little bit of deterrence. So if somebody comes after me, I smack them hard once. Hopefully that'll just make them realize the the wasting of their own resources has put them behind. And all the rest of the time, I'm building up my culture or economy or other things that are more important that can get me ahead of the curve later i'm thinking of the end game and the military just seems like a waste your military start getting ahead of everybody that starts to paint a target on your back right 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 better stop that guy better stop that war-minded better build up a military and squash him before he uh, gets too far so is this a game where you just have to pull the trigger there's too many choices just gotta do something oh yeah Go with your plan A and run with it. <laughs> I think so. This is a tough one to have a good plan B or C or anything else in place because there's so much to concentrate on with your plan A that before you realize your plan A may not be working, you're probably three quarters of the way through the game anyways. Uh, don't forget, you start off with the early, the ancient time or the ancient age, and those are the cards that you're drafting from. But soon enough, those cards are going to disappear. You won't be able to take those. You got to start pulling now from the Middle Ages, and you start pulling from the Renaissance, and you, start, and they're all they're all coming at you, and you got to kind of keep up with it as it's coming, because you may find yourself like me, 
<laughs> lagging in certain areas in which I still have this darn <laughs> ancient mine. Yeah. And here comes the steamship on the horizon. Uh, right, what right. Am, how, how the hell am I going to equate these two things? I can't get to the steamship building with my mind producing two things of ore each turn. It's not going to work. <laughs> I had my backyard farm while you guys were all like cultivating these awesome like agriculture and I couldn't get any workers on the board. That's part of the problem though too is that the cards that show up are are random within their age and they might come at a time where you just can't afford them and then everybody else takes that category of cards and you're stuck in the ancient times. Think of these cards on a continuous conveyor belt. If you you either take them as you can get them or they're going to go off the edge and you'll lose them and you may not see the right card you need for another five, six, ten cards down the line. Did the frustration of that impact your enjoyment of the game? Not for me personally, no. I feel like the frustration is a feature, not a flaw. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those hard choices. Like, wow, I, I could use that card and it's going to go away if I don't buy it now. But I need this other thing now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take my chances and do this other thing I think is more important and hope that other opportunity comes later. Yeah, and sometimes a card is so important that you buy it when it's expensive. Because as it moves down the line, it gets cheaper. But you're like, listen, I can't live without this. I'm going to have to pay three of my four actions to grab this card. Oh, it's like your whole turn to just grab one card. That is so, so hard to do. And that's a big part of the game. There's an action economy where you have a number of civil and another military actions, and you have to choose each turn how you want to spend them. I like that. There's a lot of flexibility there. But also, each action feels precious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the artwork. I like how it was drawn. I like the fonts they used. I thought it was a very attractive game on its own right. Yes, I, I like the look of it. I do, too. I, it made me really want to play it physically. Yeah, I love the little history bits, too. Yeah. Uh, there's something about a civilization game marching through history. It's a wonderful way to experience history. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury... Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization. Mike? I like this game already with the physical version, but with the digital version tracking the rules and bonuses for me, I love it now. So dig it up. Evan? This one screams replayability. Tons of paths to victory and crafting your own world along a real historical timeline is fun. It hit a lot of the right buttons for me. Dig it up. Ed? Through the Ages continues to be my favorite of the Civilization game. Woo, that's big. Every turn offered many interesting decisions, reminding me of Sid Meier's design of Civilization. I've dug this one up since its first edition in 2005. Evan, where can you find this game? You can find Through the Ages at local game stores, also the online game stores. Retails for about $70. Sounds expensive, but it's not. You get a lot of game for $70. A new expansion is expected to hit the stores in May this month for about $25. There's an app on Steam. And of course, you can play at Board Game Arena, which we highly recommend. For free right now. Check it out. If you have thoughts about Through the Ages, a new story of civilization, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Our last game up is Red 7, designed by Carl Chudik and Chris Seislick. Published by Asmati Games in 2014. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 9 and up. Playtime, 
five to 30 minutes. <laughs> Mike, tell us what's in the box. Well, first off, the box can't get any simpler. It has the words Red 7 plastered on an 80s looking white paintball splatter over a black background. Inside, there are 49 cards numbered 1 to 7 in 7 colors, 4 icon color reference guide cards, 2 turn option guide cards, and 1 canvas card. And of course, a rule book. And that's... What's in the box? Before we find out if we saw red while playing this game, Evan, tell us how it's played. In red 7, you start with a hand of 7 cards from the deck. On your turn, you may play a card to your palette and or play a card to change the rule. There are 7 rules for the game, one of each color of the rainbow. Red means the highest card wins. Orange means the most of one number wins. Yellow means the most of one color wins, etc. If you're not winning by the end of your turn, you lose. (laughs) That's simple. The last person standing wins the round. When a player ends a round with a set number of points, they win. This game was quick. I'll give it that. Mercifully. You could check that on the Celeste box of of necessity of a good game. (laughs) One of the few boxes that this game checked. Yeah. Someone's seen red. The rules change all the time. You either win or you're out. I mean, it was kind of basic in a certain sense. Yeah, like if you're not winning, you're last. It's actually true here. (laughs) If you're not a winner, you're a loser. (laughs) (laughs) And if you can't find the loser at the table, look in the mirror. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) It was fun being able to change the rules on people. I would have liked that to feel more aggressive. Mm. It didn't feel as exciting as I hoped changing the rules. There's only one rule at a time in this game. For me, it was interesting seeing your hand and thinking, well, which of these cards do I want to save so I can set the rule at the later turn to one I really want? So can I use any of these other cards in the meantime just to tide me over to the point where, okay, now I'm going to clap on the rule I really want and try to win that way. One of the ways that you rate your hand is by the color of the cards that were played. It's about the cards being in a color order of importance. The suits matter as far as which ones are more powerful than the other. Red is more important than violet. Yeah, if you start with a crappy handful of blue and purple cards, your hand is garbage. Even if it has like higher numbers in it, people are just going to play the exact same card you had or combination of cards but it'll be more valuable. The value of the card is usually the first tiebreaker. If that doesn't break the tie, then the color of your card is the second tiebreaker. Right. Understand that tiebreakers come fast and furious in this game. Oh, yeah. All over the place. Yeah, it's not like a rare occasion. We moved to the color breaker a lot. Purple and blue cards lose the tiebreakers. They're like the lowest cards on the totem pole. Oh, yeah. I have like one, three, two, and four of like purple yeah. and blue. It's, that's <laughs> it's what my like, hand looked like last time. I'm like, oh. It's like, so it's like. You can't beat the existing rule with yeah. garbage cards in your hand. Yeah, it's not, it's not very friendly. We had the distinct pleasure of playing this at yukata.de. <laughs> yeah. My personal favorite interface for, ga- yes. for online gaming because it is so arcane. 
All right, so this one for so far has been the most frustrating <laughs> online game that we've played. I could not figure out for five minutes how to make the darn cards work using this particular platform. I just couldn't. Oh, they do not hold your hand. It wasn't intuitive to hit the little exit to the checkbox on there in order to, to, to decide whether or not you wanted to play a card to your palette or play a card to your canvas. And once you've done it, like, okay, I saw what you were going for, but I wish there was a way for you to tell me this so that I can actually yes. do it without <laughs> spending five minutes trying to figure that out. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And a, another helpful piece of feedback, yukata.de, is maybe not 17 buttons to click to finish your move. Yeah. <laughs> I hit the X. Oh, yeah. Then I got to hit this finish button. Oh, yeah. And then I got to finish in the central part just to make sure I'm really, really done. <laughs> we get your original code was written in 2001. We get that. Okay. But, you know, at some point, can you please upgrade that part of your system, please? I, I appreciate a little bit of redundancy to make sure you don't make a huge mistake on your turn that you can't take back. But at least put them all in the same area. Like, are <laughs> yes. you sure pops up or something? You know, <laughs> yeah. Not just, oh, I forgot. I have to go to the bottom right and click on the back arrow on yeah. next to my chat window name. <laughs> there were several times where I had to go, yeah, I think you haven't hit the finish turn, right? We were waiting a couple minutes. And no, it doesn't really not that long a game. You don't have to spend that much time thinking. So you probably thought you clicked it, but you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I clicked two out of three of them. A five to 30 minute game on Yukata turns into a two hour, <laughs> 120 minute yeah. plus game. <laughs> Oh my god. No, it wasn't that long, but it felt that long. No. Yeah. We felt no. the frustration of Yukata more this week, I think yes. because the game itself was more frustrating uh, than the others we've played mm, here. That's Maybe. part of it for sure. It's it, it meant to be a really fast game and because we were using interface to slow down the game to a point where we can perceive that. I think if we're playing in person, the round would be fast and furious and we would get more opportunity to have the good hand and go aha. Yes. Instead of getting a hand where you have, do you play the first two cards and it's over? <laughs> that comes back to Ed's point, Mike, which is he was the one that was actually thinking ahead to the end game because <laughs> it is so random what you get in your hand. You have got to plan and also know that your cards are not going to do everything you want them to do yeah. and that you're going to have to give up at some point. And on that note, on that note, do you pick up a game like Red 7, which you think more like, okay, maybe Uno or something like this fast and warm up game or something like that. But knowing that if I really want to win this game, I do have to do this certain level of planning that goes beyond just just basic kind of quickie game. That's a good point, Evan. Is it a fast, fun game or do I have to really plan? (laughs) (laughs) You don't have that many choices to make, though. It's not a lot of planning. There's a little bit of planning there because you only got seven cards and it's like, Okay, I, I, I need to be winning now. I can throw this card out there and be winning now, but I want hoping I can play this red card later because I got the red seven, and that means if I can get a red rule, I am winning. Yeah, but if, in order to get a red rule, you got to use a red card, and then do you have a red card left? That is mm-hmm. extremely random. Yep. A little pro tip for you, though. If you don't have to change a rule, don't change it because it uses twice as many cards up in your turn and you won't have cards later on to try to counteract what other people are doing. If you can win with the existing rule, try to do that. Good point, Mike. Not only were (laughs) we frustrated by the game itself, but we were doubly frustrated by the fact that our 
can't stop game that we were playing on yukata.de three weeks ago was still going on and yukata makes you play every game that you're in where it's your turn. So we were stuck in this endless loop of bouncing back and forth between this red seven game and our can't stop game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a way around it. If you back out of the game and come back in. Nope. It'll force you into the other one. I don't think so. (laughs) It it, it, your turn. It really wants you to play that game. Wow. And you can't even yeah. abandon it, right? <laughs> it's like we, no, and there's we, no there's no abandoning games. Yeah. Wow. You are going to finish the game you started. Won't <laughs> <laughs> you <ever> like it? <laughs> this game was designed by Chris Seislick, who designed We Didn't Play Test This at All, which is one of my favorite games, and also Innovation, which I've played for many, many hours. I love Innovation. Me that is too. a great game. Oh, yeah. it's it's a solid game, but this is way clunkier for some reason. It's supposed to be simpler. Wait, he did. We didn't play test this at all, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he knows simple games and he uh-huh. knows complex games. And this one just didn't come together. It fell in the middle somewhere. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Red 7. Ed? It was interesting to choose which card to play to keep your best option for winning later in the round. It's not a game I would necessarily dig up for my collection, but I know several people who love this game. Mike? Luck of the draw far overshadowed strategic choice here, so I have to say bury it. Evan? I'm going to dig this game up, but with that said, I think it would play much better as a tabletop game instead of over the computer. I suspect that too, Evan. This game is so random. I'm gonna have to bury it. Evan? Where can you find Red 7? You can find Red 7 at local game stores and online stores for about $15. We played it on yukata.de, but we recommend you play it at Board Game Arena instead. (laughs) (laughs) I totally recommend (laughs) yukata.de. I didn't say not recommend yukata.de just for this particular game. Probably true. If you have thoughts about Red 7, let us know. We are at which game first on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Twitch 6:30 Thursday night. Twitch it up. Yes, Ooh. East time. Join us. We interact with you. We look at your chats. We want to speak with you, be with you, show you what we're doing. Very interactive. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you would like more perks and content, including our exclusive podcast for patrons only. Bonus points! Bonus points! Bonus points! Go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a like, a review, a rating, a shout-out, a smile, a heart, anywhere online. It really helps our show grow. Happy gaming, explorers. Uh, waiter, there's a fly in my soup. Oh, yes, indeed. That, uh, protein? I'm not paying extra for that. <laughs> <laughs>